Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Let's dive into the Word together. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. It says this, for this reason, this is, this is the Apostle Paul praying. If you've ever wondered how the Apostle Paul prayed, here you go. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ with Patches' knowledge, that ye may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together before we're seated. Lord God, we just come before you tonight, and Lord, we echo the prayer of the Apostle Paul. God, open up our eyes. Open up our understanding, Lord God, to to your Holy Spirit within us, to Christ within us, the hope of glory. Lord, I pray that you would completely shift and transform and change, Lord God, the way that we see you, the way that we see one another, and the way that we see ourselves. Thank you, Lord, what you're going to do tonight. Let us never be the same. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated tonight in the presence of the Lord. It is such a privilege to, to be up here in Alaska for multiple reasons. Um, I've been wanting to come up, up to Alaska for a very long time, so thank you, Minister David and Pastor Daniel, for inviting me. It's such a privilege. But it's also really neat because I've gotten a chance to do ministry with probably like 70% of your staff, Pastor Daniel, over the years, whether it was in Kauai or Maui or Oahu. And it's just, it's just really cool. I, I, I feel at home tonight. So thank you so much for for having me, and it's it's so good to see everybody and just be a part of what God's doing here, and it's it's just awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Created for Connection, and this is the, the first sermon, like Pastor Daniel said, of our series, Deep and Wide. Someone say, Deep and Wide. How many of you know that God's called you to go deeper in Him? Amen. How many know God's called you to expand? God's called you to reach out and be more effective than you've ever been? In the past. Amen. Praise God. Um, woman of God with the you've got a cool hat on. Can you stand up for a little bit? I just wanna 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 pray over you. Is that okay? Is that okay? I just wanna you can keep sitting down. I just wanna I just wanna speak over you. God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this this woman of God. And I just I just feel like God is saying that He He is bringing a new level of hope, a new level of, of, of anointing to you. And there, there's, been, there's been some people around you that have, that have even spoken death over you, but I feel like God's saying that he's bringing life to your bones. He's bringing life to your body. Come on, if you're standing next to her, you're going to lay hands on her. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing to her body. I speak healing to her bones. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, touch her. Strengthen her. In the mighty name of Jesus, we speak healing. Even to your family, there's been some things you've been believing God to do. There's been some prayers you've cried out. God's heard every single one, and he's going to answer them. In the mighty name of Jesus. God, I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Connection is everything. Now, this is a youth conference, so I'm going to back up a little bit to when I was in high school. Anybody remember when you were in high school? We're scary days. All right, who's, who's in high school right now? Raise your hand. You're my hero. 
That is probably the most difficult time in your life except for one other season, and that's junior high. Is anybody here in junior high? God bless you. You're going to get through it. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to be okay, all right? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make it out alive. God, God's got you. But I remember when I was in high school, you know, showing up to a new school. Keep in mind, I, I had a really bad case of culture shock. I'll just explain to you why. I, I lived in Montana for about the first 13 years of my life, Montana and Missouri. You know, growing up really in the country on farms and like in the boonies. And then moved to Hawaii at 13 years old. Had a year to kind of transition and then jumped right into public school Oh, I, did I mention I was homeschooled in Montana? All right, so just ho- Montana homeschooler going into Kauai Public High School, Waimea High School, which we have the reputation of being the westernmost high school in the United States, but I hear that's contested by a school somewhere here in Alaska, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. But I was, you know, I was, I was there, and I was, try- I was trying to fit in, trying to find a group to hang out with. How many of you know that your relationships, your friends, is your identity? And you don't, you don't have to be a homeschooler from Montana to know that you need to find a group to identify with. Any high schoolers relate to me? Just kind of w- walking around the campus trying to find different groups of people. I don't, I don't know what the groups are now. I'm sure everything has probably changed a lot. But we had, you know, we had our skaters and our jocks. And we had like, this was Kauai. So there were like, there's like a wannabe gothic clique. It's probably like two people that like dyed their hair. You know, it was, it was Kauai. And then, and then we had like, we had a, you know, just several different groups of people. And, and uh, there, were, there was like a nerd group. Nerds weren't cool back then. You know, today, like, the coolest thing to do is, like, be good at the computer and, like, be super smart and, you know, be online all the time. Back when I was, I thought wasn't cool when I was in high school, but there was, there was a group like that. And it just, just trying to find me, trying to find my place, trying to find where my connection was. And it was, there's something innate within all of us that we know that if we're going to find our identity, we can't find it in ourselves. We don't go looking for our identity in ourselves. You go looking for your identity in other people. If you're, if you're gonna find who you are, you're gonna find it in other people. You're gonna find it in those around. I'm gonna pray for one person real quick. Can you get stand up, man of God? I just wanna pray for you. And I'll get back to preaching, I promise. Lord, I just thank you for my brother in Jesus' name. Lord God, I just declare, Lord God, your favor upon him. God, I declare your authority in Jesus' name. There's some things you've been going through, and God's saying he's given you authority over it. He's given you authority. There's, there's a breaking anointing that's coming upon you, that you're going you're gonna to take hold of the call of God on your life. There, there's, been, there's been some things that have been elusive as far as the call of God in your life. It's been, a hard, it's been hard to identify. It's been hard to grab hold of. It's, it's almost been slippery, but I feel like God's saying he's giving you a new authority. He's giving you a new strength, and you're going to lay hold of the call of God and the purpose of God in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. But I want, I want you guys to, to, to think about this. When it comes to connection, when it comes to identity, like I said, identity is not found in yourself. Identity is found in other people. Identity is found in relationship. There, there was a book written in, in 1997 by a, a, a psychologist named Larry Crabb. Has anybody ever heard of him before? And it was a book called, Conne- it was a book called Connected. 
His major uh, premise was this, that the problem in our society is not broken psyches. It's not, it's not people that, that I just have, in other words, it's not, it's not disorders. It's not mental health, even though that's, that's true, that's real, that's a real thing. Amen. I, I believe we need to be mentally healthy. Amen. It's important. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that these disorders aren't real, but, but this man's premise was that the problem is not damaged psyches. The problem is disconnected souls. The problem is people that don't have relationship. The problem is people that don't have connection. And when you don't have connection, everything is wrong. When you don't have connection, you're broken. When you can't identify with other people, when you don't have friends, anybody have a season in your life you didn't have friends? Anybody have a season? Look, at, look how many hands went up. One more time. Anybody have a season in your life you didn't have friends? Did you enjoy that time of your life? No. If I look back over the years of my life, even the years of, of, of doing ministry here, here with Kings, the, the, the moments where I enjoyed life the most were the moments where I had the deepest level of connection. The moments where I had the best relationships. It wasn't the moments where, where my ministries were the most successful. It wasn't the moments I had the most money. It wasn't, it wasn't the moments that everything was going good. It was the moments that I had friendships. It was the moments I had people that I could rely on and trust in, people that I, people that I, that I knew, people that I was close to, people that I was connected with. Connection is what creates hap happiness in our life. Connection creates joy. And when you don't have that, you can try anything else and it will not fill the void. And so you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have close relationships, you're gonna be miserable. Just think about the, the lengths that people go to in order to try to have relationships. You know, a lot of the, the, the things that, that, and you know, it's, it's not just in high school and middle school. Here, this, this is what I've learned. Us as adults, we're just, we're just like people in high school. We're just like the kids in, in middle school. The only difference is we know how to put on a mask a little better. We know how to hide our, our emotions a little better. We know how to hide our pain a little better than they do. But in reality... We're all in the same boat. We're, we're all the same. We all have the same, we all have the same issues. And, and the dysfunction that arises when people don't have relationship and when they try to find it, and the lengths that they'll go to find connection. Getting mixed up in the wrong crowd, getting in a gang to an extreme, getting in a bad relationship. Why is that? Why do people stay in a toxic relationship year after year after year? and they don't get out even though they're getting abused because it's connection. They need connection more than anything else. Connection matters to them more than their own safety. Why is that? It's because God has wired the human race for relationship. God has wired us for connection. You know, the Bible says that we are created in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. Now, we could probably spend all week talking about what that means we made in the image of God. But one thing I want to present to you tonight is that our need for relationship, our inclination towards relationship, the priority of relationship is the result of being created in the image of God. I want to give our KSM students a little test here. Anyone in KSM, raise your hands. 
You guys have an incredible KSM program. Minister Barry doing, doing an amazing job. Give me the definition of the Trinity. Can anybody shout it out? What is the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We've got a lot of people that know, know that answer. Anybody, anybody know? I don't know if you guys, I don't, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything like this, but anybody take our new members class? Dr. Morocco has this statement. Within the substance of the one God, anybody remember that? Within the substance of the one God are three unique persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is one being, three persons. Does not make much sense. But our entire theology, our entire understanding of who God is, our entire approach to life depends on it. God is one being, three persons. Now here's what I want to, want to present to you tonight. I would say every religion, I would actually put money on this. If you were to go to any person of any faith and ask them, is God or should God be more than a person? I guarantee you everybody would say yes. God is more than a person. However, it's only Christians that have any idea what that means. Think about all the other religions of the world. Islam, their God is just, just a singular person, right? You've got things like, like Hinduism and stuff like that. They have millions of gods, millions of deities, but they're just a single individual. Or you have this idea where, you know, getting absorbed into, into like the divinity and getting, you know, nirvana and just getting absorbed to this vast ocean of God and becoming a part of that. But that's not personal at all. So instead of being more than a person, it's actually less than a person. The only faith that has any concept of what God being more than a Christian is, is us Christians. C.S. Lewis gives this great example. Imagine that we all lived on a, on a flat plane. In other words, that we all, like we were all drawings on a coloring book or something like that. All right, and you could, if you were a two-dimensional being, you could understand width and depth, right? Or, you know, but not with depth or height. You know what I'm talking about? Only two dimensions. Boxes, squares, you know, that's it. But in a moment we start talking about like a cube, you, you're, you're lost. You have no idea what I'm talking about, right? If you, if you lived on a two-dimensional plane, you could understand lines, you could understand squares, you could understand shapes. The moment I, I start talking 3D, I've lost you. Right? The moment I start talking about cubes or a tree or, you know, just real life things that we enjoy because we live in a three dimensional world, you would not be able to comprehend that. You would not be able to understand it. Why? Because it exists on a higher plane than you do. Well, with God, it's a similar thing. We don't understand how God as three persons works because he lives on a plane higher than ours. But yet, just like we would expect of God to be, God is more than a person. In fact, he's three people in one. Why is this important? Because in John chapter four, verse eight, it says that God is what? God is what? God is love. John chapter four, verse eight, God is love. How can God be love? Notice it doesn't say God has love. It doesn't say that that. Love is important to God. It says God is love. Why? Because within God's very being is relationship. God is a relationship. God is a tri-personal relationship. God is love. 
And for all of eternity, even before he created mankind, even before he created the angels, he existed in in perfect harmony with himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, living in relationship, living in community. In fact, theologians have, have, have come up with this thought and this illustration of like this divine dance. You know when two people are dancing together and their movements are, are, are as one person and their movements are as a, almost as a single individual because they're in such sync with one another? It's just like that, except for instead of moving side by side, the persons are, are even moving through one another and within one another. And, and, and Sorry, I'm not used to these mics. I hit the button. Moving, moving in and through one another and just living in this, in this relational bliss, just living in, the, in this pure state of, of love. And so when God created mankind, when God created us, he made us in his image. But number one, he didn't create us because he needed something. You know, God didn't create you because he needed you to serve him. A lot of people think that. In fact, that's what a lot of religions teach, that God created you because he needed servants. God didn't create you to worship him, even though that's one of the most wonderful things and most, one of the most fulfilling expressions that we get to participate in. God didn't, didn't need anything from you. But he created you so that he could love you and so that you could love him. Amen. He created you for love. He created you for relationship. He created you to be in relationship with himself. He created you to be in relationship with one another. It's how you're wired by God. And so when that aspect is, is missing within us, we can't function. Why? Because, because the very reason we're created is absent. But God has called us to be a people that live in relationship with him, that live in relationship with one another. But I think the, the first thing that I want, I want to look at is what is God's relationship look like with himself between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus says something in John chapter 14. He says, believe me that I am in the Father. Someone say, in the Father. And the Father is in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. But what's his point? Jesus is saying, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Just like through all of eternity, the Father had been in the Son. The Son had been in the Father. The Spirit had been in the Father and in the Son. They'd all been within one another, yet without losing their uniqueness. Without being absorbed into into one, they were always unique, but always in love with one another. Just just think about that. Just imagine that with me. That just just messes with my mind, but just makes me like want to worship at the same time. When you just imagine God for all of eternity living in communion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just think about how beautiful that relationship was unbroken, never-ending. And then out of the overflow of that love, he creates you and me just so we could experience his love, so we could experience the love that exists within our God. But yet God inhabits himself to such a, a degree that it's very hard to distinguish at times 
what's the Father, what's the Son, and what's the Holy Spirit? What do I mean? Because I know you guys are looking at me like I'm talking a bunch of craziness over here. Turn with you in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 9 to 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Who's that? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if, the Spirit, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead also will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. A couple observations from this first. First and foremost, where does the action of the father end and the action of the son begin? You can't identify it. It's almost like Paul is just interchangeably using father, son, and Holy Spirit. Why? Because they're all at work within salvation. They're all at work within sanctification. They're all at work within relationship. You can't distinguish necessarily who's who. Now, there are certain, certain things that, that the, the Holy Spirit does primarily, right? But all, yet all the Trinity is involved. There's certain things that the Father does primarily, like creation, but all the Trinity is involved, right? But yet they're, they're moving and living within and through one another. And it's beautiful. But point number two I want to make in this verse is there's another person that Paul talks about besides the members of the Trinity. Anybody catch that? If you can identify who that person is, just go and shout it out. It's you and me. It's you and me. That's insane. I want to read this to you one more time. But you, who's you? That's you. That's me. That's every single one of us. Paul's writing to, the, to Christians, if you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, Paul's talking to you. He's saying, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Notice how he says, in the Spirit. It's interesting. In the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So what's going on here? God lives inside of you. You should get a little more excited about that. God lives on the inside of you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit inhabit you. They, li they, they live here. Rather than wanting to live in a temple, God says, I want to live inside of people. I want to inhabit you. But not only does God live inside of you, but he's called us to live inside of him. God has called us into the very life of the Trinity. Now I want to make a point, and it's a very important point. At no point will you ever be God. I'm not, I'm not preaching some new age weirdness up in here. You will never be Jesus. You will never be God. You will never be the Holy Spirit, okay? But God has called us into union with himself. But this is important. I'm gonna use a big theological word. I apologize. But use this on like an essay, guys, and you're gonna get a lot of points for it, okay? It's this word ontological. It's the study of being, right? 
So when we say that we are one with God, we're not saying that we are one ontologically. In other words, we're not saying that we're God, right? We're saying we're one in relationship with God. Now, where do you see this in everyday life? Marriage. Where you see two people who are entirely themselves, but yet they're one. My wife is very different than me. My wife is amazing. She makes really good graphics, by the way. She's a, she's a great graphic designer. She's incredible. She's also very beautiful. Praise God. I miss her. <laughs> but her and I are one. We're not the same person. We have our uniqueness. We have our preferences. Nothing within marriage assumes that when I get married, I lose my identity. When you get married, you shouldn't lose your identity. If you do, something's wrong. Right? But yet, we're still ourselves. We're still fully and entirely ourselves. But yet, we're one in relationship. We're one in relationship. I want to read to you what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28 through 32. It says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife and all the married people said, amen, loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, Paul's quoting Moses in the book of Genesis one of the very first statements on marriage. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. What is Paul saying? He's saying that the, the relationship that exists between a husband and a wife of the two becoming one flesh is actually a picture of the relationship of the church with Jesus. Now, I want to I wanna make a pretty bold statement here. This is a youth conference, correct? I can say words like sex and stuff like that here. Is that, is that okay? All right, then I won't say it. <laughs> On the topic of sex... <laughs> The reason the enemy, you notice how all the high schools and junior hires like, now are like looking at me with like full attention? <laughs> Youth pastor trick 101. <laughs> Why does the devil put such a premium on distorting our view of sex? Why does the enemy work so hard to pervert what God's intended? Because it's more than just something that a husband and wife do together. It's actually probably the holiest illustration and an analogy that you can come up with to represent two people becoming one. It's as far as I'm going. That is, that is the closest, that is the, it's the best analogy that exists. Why is that important? Because it is a relational union of two people who are completely separate but yet they're one they're 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 
They're in union together. This is why, young people, you need, you need to save yourself. You need to live holy. Because not only does God have a, a purpose and a plan for you and want to bless you, but God has actually allowed our lives to be an illustration of, of the union that he desires with us. You know, the Apostle Paul says the same thing. When he, in, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he, t- he tells them essentially this. You're one in Christ. How dare you engage in sexual immorality and, and, and unite yourself with a prostitute? Why does he say that? Because you're already one with Jesus. You're one with Jesus, so how dare you unite Jesus with that? And what we don't realize is that as Christians, when we are engaged engage in sin, not only are we sinning against our own body, we're sinning against Jesus. Because we're uniting him with sin. We're uniting him with filth. And let me tell you what, that's not something I want to be responsible for. Paul says, don't do it. Why? Because the relationship that God has for you is so much better. And here's what you need to get. I think sometimes in our our purity series, we actually do a little bit of a disservice. Because we we make it all seem like it's about the here and now. In other words, it's it's the whole thing. If if you'll not eat the marshmallow now, you'll get two marshmallows later. We basically say, if you, if you don't, I'm trying to make this kid friendly. <laughs> all right? We make, it, we make it all about, if, if you wait to have the marshmallow in high school, when you get married, you're going to have the most amazing marshmallows you could ever have. All right? We make it all about that. We make it all about the marshmallows. Now, praise God for marshmallows. Amen? Praise the Lord for marshmallows. Marshmallows are great. However, there's more to it than that. Because not only is God worried about you saving your marshmallows. (laughs) He wants relationship with you. Amen. He wants to, he wants to know you, right? He wants to, he wants to be in such communion with you in such intimacy with you because he loves you. And anything and any kind of relationship you could ever get in this world pales by far in, the, in comparison to the relationship he wants with you for all of eternity and even today. That's why when we all face temptation, and there's several keys that I've learned and used to resist temptation in my own life. But probably the biggest one is when everything else fails and you're being tempted, and you, and you could go a certain direction and pursue something, is just fix your eyes on Jesus and say, God, I'd rather have you. I'd rather have you than whatever this temptation is. Amen? I would, I would rather have your presence. Amen? I would rather have relationship with you. I would rather know you than go down whatever road is in front of me. Then go down whatever, whatever option the enemy might be putting before me right now. Lord, I'd rather have you. Why? Because you're better. But so many of us don't realize the, the depth that God wants for us. And the, how obsessed God is about having relationship with you. 
We think salvation is all about getting forgiven. We think salvation is all about justification. That's a big word for, it's a legal term for God saying, okay, you were a sinner, I've canceled your sin, you are forgiven. Which is important. How many of you are grateful that you're forgiven? How many of you are grateful that, he, that God has saved you, that he's taken your sins away? But can I tell you what? It's not supposed to stop there. I know too many Christians that live in this perpetual just roller coaster of forgiveness, sin, forgiveness. Oh, my gosh, am I saved? Am I not? Anybody know anybody like that? Instead of saying, God, thank you for saving me, and then going deeper into relationship. Amen. Instead of trying to straddle this fence of what can I do and speak, still be a Christian. Where's the line? Where's the line I can't cross? Just someone show me the line. Because I want to live as close to it as I can. No, 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 no. You get saved. You get forgiven. And then your whole life becomes a pursuit of relationship with Jesus. Amen? Relationship with God. And, and just engaging in everything that he has for you. And can I tell you what? Not, not only does God have the best plan for your life, here and now, and anything the enemy might try to offer you is a, a sorry counterfeit. But what God has to offer you spiritually and in a relationship and in union with him is better than anything the world could ever give you. All, the, all these people try engaging in illicit things, including drugs, including you name it. They're pursuing something that they think will satisfy them. But the only thing that will is relationship with God. Why? Because that's what you were made for. You were made to know him. You were made to be united with him. You were made to be connected with him. To have him in you and you in him. Amen. That's what Paul says. Because, because he says that you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. In this, in a similar way, um, again, I'm not saying that in any way this is some kind of weird, new agey, ontological, use my big word, union. This is a relational union. However, in the same way that the Trinity is both, is they're all, they inhabit one another. Christ is in you, and yet you're also in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Just this, interlocking it's 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 a mystery this interlocking of personalities this interlocking of relationship where paul says i've been crucified with christ and yet i live nevertheless not i but christ who lives within me why because everything he does in this life he now does because the life of jesus is flowing through him because he has been so captivated by the life of god because he's, he's been so enthralled by the life that God wants to give him. And so many times I, I think we have this idea that this life of union with God is saved for heaven. Which in a degree it is. Because of the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to culminate. However, we're called to walk in union with God now. And one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit is for union with God, is, is to affect intimacy with the Lord. In Romans chapter 8 again, verse 15, Paul says this, for you did not receive the spirit, lowercase s, of bondage again to fear, 
but you received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, Daddy. Whom you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Come on. And if indeed we suffer with him, and we also be glorified together with him. That's what the Holy Spirit does inside of you. You remember what I said earlier about trying to walk around and finding where you belong? Trying to find out where, where you're connected. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. If you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he's crying out, Abba, Father. He's crying out, Daddy, God. And I tell you what, one of the greatest travesties in our generation is this epidemic of fatherlessness. Where people don't have dads. And you wonder why our identities are messed up. But I tell you what, God the Father wants to be your dad. God wants to not only fill that void, but be the real, true Father that your earthly father was only a representation of. He wants to bring you into that relationship with himself. And he sent his Holy Spirit to live on side of you. To cry out, Daddy. Cry out, Abba, Father. You know, that was one of the first words my son said. In fact, it was the first word. It's Daddy. But I think there's something spiritual about that. Because when we become a Christian, when we become saved, the Holy Spirit immediately calls out, Daddy. Calls out, Abba, Father. God's not waiting on you to get your act together. He's not waiting on you to be Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. He's not, he's not even waiting for you to get perfect and stop sinning on your own. Okay? I'm not saying holiness doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. But he wants to empower you. And too many times I think we have this idea that if I'm going to come to God, I have to get perfect first. You will not get perfect without his help. You will not get perfect without the help of the Holy Spirit. But once you yield to him, once you yield to his influence, he'll empower you to do what you couldn't do on your own. Amen? And he'll empower you to live the life that he's called you to live. But it starts the first word, the first step is Abba Father. The first step is Daddy. God, I know you love me. I know you want relationship with me. I'll never forget. I was going on a walk while I was praying. It's what I do so I don't fall asleep. Not as spiritual as some people. I was going on a walk outside and I was just, I was praying and I looked up and I saw the stars. And something just hit me. I know it was the Holy Spirit. The same God that made those stars. The same God that made the universe. is madly in love with me. And he wants relationship with me. He wants to know me. And as much as you want to know God, and at times you felt like the knowledge of God was unattainable or that you'd done too much wrong 
or that you just weren't good enough. He wants to know you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross, not just because he felt bad that you were going to hell. He sent Jesus to die on the cross so he could have a relationship with you. Amen. He wants to know you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.